So there's a whole community, isn't there, Ooh, of letter, yes. letter presses? Yes. I mean, we don't really have secret handshakes or wear strange hats or anything, but in the olden days they used to. Right. They used to fold them out of newspaper and you always knew who was a letterpress person because they'd wear these strange newspaper hats. Hello and welcome to Ears Wide Open, a literary podcast that is a project of the Open Book at 201 Ponsonby Road, the world's most beautiful second-hand bookshop. Today we have got Joe Giddens with us. Joe is a Whanganui-based printmaker and wordsmith. Hello, Joe. Hello, Anna. How are you today? I'm great, thank you. So nice to have you. We've just had an amazing event with Joe showing some of her work to people who've come into the shop. Now, Joe, you've been writing haiku every day or nearly every day for a year? Yes, indeed. I started that at the end of May in 2017 and I've been writing them every day or second day since. Great. So I thought that before we talk about them, maybe you would read us a couple. Sure. How about this one? It's it's called Set. The letters falling, line by line, they stretch the page, once in lead and ink. And another one. Resist. Oil repels water, dark ink grips the page, and artwork unfolds. Thank you. And they're very short, of course, because they're haiku, which the form Mm. is... Five syllables, seven syllables, then five syllables. And what was it like to write a poem every day for that long? Well, you know, I've never really thought of them as being poems. I, I like... Things that are set into a rhythm or into a grid or that there's something that you're a specification you have to meet. And so haiku have always appealed to me since I was, um, I hope my mother's not listening to this because she doesn't know I've got a tattoo. But uh, <laughs> when I was 20, I, I wanted to get a tattoo because all the fashion models were getting them. I know that sounds shallow. I just got a tattoo. You just got one. Oh, it's very nice. Thank you. Yeah. It's very nice, listeners. Yes, it's, it's very nice. It's a three and a V. It is, correct. Or a heart. Or a heart. I like it. It's a symbolic thing. Anyway. I went to the library because there was no internet there and I found a haiku that I really liked and it was, Oh snail, climb Mount Fuji, but slowly, slowly. And it was by a very famous haiku writer who was, um, well, way back, 1760-something. And anyway, I had that put on my back in kanji. I had it translated and and what have you, and I've spent my whole life covering it up ever since. (laughs) But isn't it weird, isn't it weird that I've always enjoyed haiku? It's got into your blood, yeah. so to speak. But if you think, oh snail, climb Mount Fuji, but slowly, slowly, it's not 575, but maybe it is in Japanese. So rules were made to be broken. I write them rhythmically every morning. After breakfast, I sit and I write haiku, and they're about how I feel, what I see, an observation, They're a code of what I'm thinking, what I'm doing, and they're providing me with words that I can now letterpress into this next collection of work, which is going to span five years. Haikus set in every single typeface that I own in my 40 trays of type, and um, they'll become specimen books of beautiful type, and away we go from there. And what, is that what you were hoping to achieve when you started writing? You wanted something to print? Or was there something else in your yeah, mind? Yeah, yeah. I've always written. I've I've written in journals, morning and night, just as a habitual thing. Um, since I was a little little girl, I've always written. Just written, written, written with an ink pen every morning, every night. It's just one of those practices that I've always had. 
I write about what I've read, what I've seen, observations, and, and that is where, if I'm looking to make, I'm actually a woodcut printer. That's, that's the thing I really, really love to do as a printmaker is woodcut. And there's this nice little symbiotic, symbiotic sort of thing with um, haiku and woodcut and printmaking and the ink and the page and the proportion. And it's, it's just, I love that Japanese sort of aesthetic to things. But you, every artist needs to have somewhere to start. And what the people say to me, oh, what inspires your work? And I just say words. And now I've got the luxury of them being my own words. I've, as a lecturer for 28 years, I dealt with students' words and other people's words and publishing people's artist catalogues. And now I'm, I'm old and I don't teach anymore. And now I've got this absolute luxury of writing my own words and I get to letterpress them, I silkscreen them, I carve them, I print them. What a luxury. So tell me about your journey to becoming a printmaker then. Where did that start? You know what? I think it was when I was a really little kid. I, my mum is an amazing woman. She used to work in um, the local library and she was a tailor and very good cook and amazing gardener. So my father was a builder and a joiner and a constructor. So I came from a very hands-on creative family. But my mum has always loved reading. She's always loved books. And I've had an obsession with books. I say I'm a bookaholic. Actually, to sit in here with all these books around me is a little bit sort of wonderful <laughs> it is a magical world, it is a magic I, I love books I absolutely love books always have and I've always made books from a very early age I've made books little books big books book bound books and I'm no good at it I'm hopeless at stitching spines and things like that but I've always liked making books and now I get to make them all the time and so you trained as a printmaker no no, I actually trained as a, as a fashion a fashion designer. I'm a tailor by trade. So, yeah, I can weave fabric into wonderful garments. And But coming with fashion industry is also um, getting people to see what you do. Where does that happen? It happens in magazines. It happens in posters and photographs and videos and, and now Instagram, you know, YouTube, you name it, it's there. So... Um, for me, publication design was a, a wondrous thing. I absolutely love publication design and, and learning about graphic design and mastering Apple Mac computers and typography was just a wonderful thing. But now I don't need that anymore. I've, I've dragged out the old typewriters and I've, I've got a whole setup of letterpress and my friend Marty Raider and Whanganui, we have letterpress club every Thursday night and we have a few beers and eat food and then we set up, set up some type and we make beautiful letterpress work and he makes wonderful harakiki paper. So, you know, really, I'm in heaven with it. I'm smitten with words. I get to write my own words. I get to say what I want. No one's telling me you can't do that and it's not part of your research or anything else. So it's a, a luxury. And what's the joy of letterpress for you? You said you have 40 cases of type. Did I hear yeah. you correctly? Yeah, but I've got 40 cases of type, actually probably more. 
um, it's one of those things you, you become a secret hoarder of <laughs> typefaces. And so, for our listeners, what is a case of type? What does that mean? Okay, well. I don't know whether you've ever seen a job case. It's a, a wooden tray that's got lots of little compartments in it and each each letter has its own little compartment. And like a typewriter, I don't know whether some of you out there might be old enough to know <laughs> know the, the layout of a, a keyboard has been um, around forever. Well, a job case has a layout as well. And if you, if you ever get the chance to meet an old guy that used to do letterpress and you watch them grabbing the type out of each little compartment. They know exactly where they are and each letter has got its compartment. Have you heard the saying, mind your P's and Q's? Yes. But it's because they're right next to each other in the type case and they look very similar because in the type case they're reversed, you know, they're mirrored. So you could pick up a Q and think it's a P. Right. And B's and D's. B's and D's, they, you know, because they're mirrored, that you, you have to sort of think of everything in mirrored. So, so when did you get your first case of type then? How does one end up with 40? Ah, well, like when you become obsessed with, well, actually I don't use that word, that's wrong, that makes me sound like a crazy old woman. Um, I'm fascinated with type. And so I started by teaching type. I was teaching my students to do letterpress and I was using the Key School of the Arts letterpress um, equipment and that was actually owned by Marty Vrader, who I now work with. And he's retained that. We've both finished teaching now, but we do our own thing and um, I use his letterpress gear and I've got my own and I actually bought a beautiful Farley press and a whole pile of um, type trays and other equipment off a guy in Hamilton who was downsizing and... So And since then, I look on the internet and I, I try and find it wherever I can. And I've just rounded up a wonderful a wonderful job lot of typecases and all sorts of different equipment. John Bremner in, um, in Fielding has given, gifted me various pieces of equipment. He's an amazing letterpress person and, and printmaker as well. So there's a whole community, isn't there, Ooh, of letter, yes. letter presses? Yes. I mean, we don't really have secret handshakes or wear strange hats or anything, but in the olden days they used to. Right. They used to fold them out of newspaper and you always knew who was a letterpress person because they'd wear these strange newspaper hats. Wow. <laughs> I know, it's quite fun. It's funny, isn't it? What was the purpose of that, do you know? Well, maybe it was to keep hair out of the, out of the print or something, I don't know, but... I, I don't know whether that's true or not, but someone actually folded one up and put it on my head once and said, this is a secret sort of letterpress thing. But, you know, someone out there is going to listen to this and go, oh, what a load of rot. Or someone might might email you and go, yeah, actually, that's true. This is the pattern. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> so you spoke about woodcuts yes. before. Do you want to talk us through what is a woodcut? How does that work and what's appealing about it? Well, you know what? When I'm carving wood, I go into this this place of solace and happiness. And it, you've got to be careful because it is dangerous. You, you can cut your fingers. You have very, very sharp chisels, different shapes for different things. And you carve away what you don't want to print. So you, you have to think of your image in reverse because it's mirrored. And when you put the ink on and print it, it becomes right again. And so... You draw your image in reverse onto the board and then you have to cut away everything that's not going to be printed and that the carving away is a rhythmic, wonderful experience. 
It's just, um, and all of those wood shavings around you and you dust them off onto the floor and it's just, a, it's, a, it's like unveiling the image. And it's, um, the thing with sculpture is you can, you can build a sculpture up or you can carve it away. And that, it's like revealing, you're revealing the image. And that's what I really love about woodcutters, that sensation of carving. And then the hissing of the, of the ink when you're rolling ink. Anyone who's a printmaker, there's, when you're rolling the ink, it's going, and you know. Just, Which is the viscosity of it. Yeah, and grabbing. just that, that wonderful hiss of the ink when you've got it just right. And then you roll it across the image and it's, oh, that looks so good. And then you put it in the press and you print it and then you peel the paper back and you go, oh, that's just amazing. Which I never got from pushing the button on the Canon printer. Right. Never once did I feel that sensation <laughs> from pushing the button on the Canon printer. And there's a certain amount of um, unpredictability to it, is there? Or do you know exactly what it's going to look like? Well, I, I would say that if you're a very experienced, well, well-trained and amazing printer, you could probably be 99% sure that every print that you did was perfect. But for me, I, I try to make everything as perfect as possible. I like to think of myself as being really good at registration and I am really keen to have things as nice as possible. But yeah, it's, it's a handmade process and there is that wabi-sabi imperfect beauty which happens and often it's funny, people say to me, oh I love that one and I think, oh god, that's the worst print I've ever done but they love it because it's got some imperfection and it doesn't look like a photocopy, it doesn't look like it's come off an inkjet printer or a laser printer. So tell me about wabi-sabi, what's this Oh, the, Im the imperfect beauty, it's... Um, when things are too perfect, they don't look real. You know, like if you've got a, a, a laser print or an inkjet print of something or you've made it on the computer, all the ink is the same. It, it doesn't have any depth to it or there's no tone to it. And I guess a, a proper, really good, in the old days, that the kiss of the, the ink onto the page was supposed to be so delicate that it didn't leave an impression. But now people love it when you have a little bit more push into the, the, the lead type or the wood type goes into the paper a little bit more and you can feel it when you run your finger along it, it's got an impression, it's indented and then you know it's letterpress. You can't do that on an inkjet printer or a laser printer, can you? Mm. So yeah, it's, I think people are putting more pressure now so that it's definitely letterpress and you're using beautiful art papers, not just, you know, 80 GSM yucky from warehouse stationery paper. <laughs> so yeah, it's an art form. Mm. Sounds beautiful. And what's the connection for you, the creative connection between the physical or the visual printing and the word art that you make so does it is it the same feeling when you're creating words and you're creating visuals or is there some different part of you activated I think for me that a word by itself doesn't doesn't say it all there's that whole the semantics and the the um the combination of the color the position on the page like I don't know who your audience are, but maybe the neither do I. Who are your audience? Who are your audience? We're not sure. But anyway, as I say, I'm I'm over fifty now. I can get away with things. It, it's like if I was to set in six point type, maybe Franklin Gothic, because it's a little bit tall and doesn't have any serifs, on a A two size piece of paper, and if I set it 
just slightly towards the bottom and over to one side, not in the middle, but it said penis. That's it. It's a tiny penis. Right. It wouldn't be the same if I did it in big letters, would it? <laughs> Do you see what I mean? So it's, what's the typeface? What colour is it? Where is it on the page? How do you set it up? Adds so much meaning to that word. So there you have it. It's the gestalt. It's the gestalt of the the meaning and the message and everything that's added is you're in control of it because you're a printmaker and you're naughty and you've got your tongue in your cheek and you're going... That's fantastic. Thank mm. you, Joe. That's been really great. What a pleasure to talk to you about oh, the you. different types of art that you make. Mm. Is there anything else you wanted to say about any of the things you do that we haven't covered or I haven't asked you? Um, just hello out there to anyone that's interested in print printmaking. And I think that if you can get inky and enjoy the process of doing things handmade, get off your computers, turn the television off, read a book, read another book, buy a book. <laughs> I think we've probably got read. If anyone's listening, listened this far, they're probably readers already. Yes, yeah, say. but yeah, just just keep reading books, keep making books, and honor. I think it was um, Bringhurst that said that that typography is there to honor, or words something like that, to honor the the content. So you know, yeah, we we honor the content, which is our words, mm. by making them beautiful. The dignity of doing it by hand. Yeah, yeah. Or even if you don't do it by hand, do have a have a look at letterpress. It's it's up and coming. It's something that people are starting to get more interested in, and there's there's the delight of it, the sensation, the tactility of it is just wonderful. And I totally recommend it. <laughs> Great. Thank you so much, Joe. This has been ears wide open, a project of the Open Book at 201 Ponsonby Road. And if you are after some books, we have many of them here. So come on in if you're in Auckland. And if you're not in Auckland, you can look on our website and subscribe to my book bag and you will be sent books beautifully hand-wrapped in wax sealed in gorgeous parcels. <laughs> <laughs>